Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. How'd you like my slide into that show? Um, we've got a great show for you tonight. All kinds of stuff coming at you. Our show is sponsored by Chris Dental Family Dentistry, um, where everyone is welcome. Uh, Michael is one of our great sponsors, and in fact, he has a new commercial out, um, and I, I'm going to put that, I'm going to play that for you in just a little bit. Um, but I also want to tell you our other sponsor tonight is Priority One Heating and Air Conditioning. Uh, great people. If you are in the middle of the winter right now, you probably know if your heat pump broke. Um, and that happens to me every time when it gets this cold. And so it's good to get on the regular program. That's what we did when we were in Oregon, always on a regular program. So they're coming out at twice a year, checking your heat pump and making sure everything's going well. Um, and they're good people and they'll work with you. When I had my heat pump go out, I called them and they gave me a special price that I could give to the new owner. Um, didn't end up using it. Uh, they did another system, but um, it was nice of them to put some ease in my brain at the time. And our other sponsor is Transworld Business Advisors. Uh, Lonnie Woodruff is the dream maker. He's a guy who's awesome. Um, he can sit down with you and help you kind of figure out what you want to buy. If you want to sell your business, he knows how to do that. He helps people kind of, you know, that are in places. I think COVID has taught us all that it's time to go move on and do something different sometimes. I don't want to do the same corporate job anymore. So as he can sit down with you and help you kind of dream and come up with some ideas and then he can, he can actually lead you in. They have a whole bunch of people all over the country. He can lead you to the right place and where you want to be. So those are our three sponsors tonight. We cannot do our show without them. And so we are excited to have them with us. So let's just kind of kick off the show. We got Bill London tonight. We've also got um, some information um, with Kim uh, Thatcher. She's a senator here in Oregon, very frustrated uh, with the supermajority. We're going to talk with her a little bit later. And then we also have a special story coming out of Livingston, Montana. I met a guy at the gym, and he makes tiny homes, and he'll sell them in Oregon as well. So you're going to meet uh, Cody Wood a little bit later in the show. So let's get that uh, open going and we'll check in with Bill London to find out what's going on in the news tonight. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out, bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're gonna have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five. Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, W Studios. I'm Bill London. Happy Monday. Well, Russian President Vladimir Putin's bombing Sunday of Kharkiv, Ukraine's second largest city, is garnering comparisons to Nazis' Germany actions at the start of World War II. Ukrainian Ambassador Sergei Kitslitsia said at an emergency meeting of the UN General Assembly today, indeed, very clear parallels could be drawn to the beginning of the Second World War. The most recent example, he continued the Russian army shelled with multiple rocket launcher systems, the residential area of the city of Kharkiv, the second largest city in the Ukraine. He says the level of threat to global security has been equated to that of the Second World War or even higher following Putin's order to put an alert to Russia's nuclear forces. What madness! 
he added. If he wants to kill himself, he doesn't need to use a nuclear arsenal. He has to do what that guy in Berlin did in the bunker in May of 1945. Kharkiv also came under intense rocket fire today as Ukrainian and Russian met peace near Ukraine border with Belarus. Those talks ended today without a deal being reached. Ukraine officials said dozens of civilians were killed and hundreds more injured in the Kharkiv attack after Russian forces bombed residential areas and apartment complexes. And Putin has tried to justify his attack on the Ukraine as an effort to denazify the country. Well, at least one aspect of the Russian war against Ukraine can't be compared to World War II, and that is Switzerland's response. The neutral country today announced it would adopt European Union sanctions against Russia over Putin's attack on freedom, an attack on democracy, an attack on the civilian population, and an attack on the institutions of a free country. Putin has responded to the sanctions from Western countries by ordering his nuclear forces be put on high alert. Now, the United States today ordered the expulsion of 12 diplomats from Russia's mission to the United Nations for engaging in espionage activities that are harmful to the U.S. national security, according to a spokeswoman for the U.S. mission to the United Nations today. The United States has informed the Russian permanent mission to the U.S. that we are beginning the process of expelling 12 intelligence operatives from the Russian mission who have abused their privileges of residency in the U.S. by engaging in espionage activities that are adverse to our national security. That, according to Olivia Dalton, with the U.S. mission to the U.N. All right, a little closer to home. Oregon and other West Coast states, namely Washington and California, have often been very similar in their mandates, restrictions, and guidelines in terms of COVID. Well, now all three states have said they will lift their mask mandate restrictions soon. Oregon Governor Kate Brown announced today that masking indoors will be recommended but no longer required as of March 12th. This comes after the governor of March uh, announced that she would be doing away with the indoor mask mandates for public indoor spaces in schools on March 19th. Now that's going to happen on midnight, March 20th. Ben Gaskins, a political science professor at Lewis and Clark, says no one wants to be accused of playing politics with public health, but he stated the obvious, and that is, all of these decisions are inherently political and are incredibly political because political actors are the ones making the cost-benefits analysis. Gaskin believes if the mask mandate is dropped, it would be harder to reinstate unless there's a dramatic change in the virulence of the coronavirus. And he says Brown, who is not up for re-election, is doing the obvious, not burdening the next Democratic nominee with the decisions that she's making. Well, Oregon legislature, legislators now would be making almost $63,500 if they vote to tie their salaries to the state's average wage, according to an updated report from legislative uh, analysts. That's $6,000 more than what was originally calculated under terms of the proposed legislative raise. Now, a Senate committee advanced Senate Bill 1566, with proponents arguing the higher wages would improve diversity in the legislature and reduce turnover. 
At the time, the legislative analysts said passing it would result in lawmakers getting $58,500 a year beginning January of 2023. Right now, they make about $32,000. An updated analysis posted on Friday shows the average salary in Oregon last year was $63,464. So lawmakers' salary would be set to that amount beginning in January of 2023 if the bill passes. Their new salary would increase every two years if wages in Oregon increase, but it couldn't decrease more than two percentage points in a year, even if average wages fall. Now, keep in mind, only California, Illinois, Massachusetts, Michigan, New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania pay their legislators more than $63,000 a year, according to the National Conference of State Legislators. Now, legislatures in those states, though, run full-time, all the time. While the Oregon legislature is in session for just more than one quarter of the days in a two-year period. The pay increase proposal is awaiting a hearing before the legislature's budget writing committee. So we are close to the waning days of this short legislative session. And here is a look at where some of the more contentious bills are sitting right now. House Bill 4002 would require overtime for farm workers. It has passed the Senate. It is now being debated in the House. House Bill 4079 would create a 3% sales tax to fund monthly checks to the homeless. That is stuck in committee. It's not expected to leave committee. House Bill 4133 allows people to submit Social Security data to third-party vendors as a way to register to vote. It has passed the House and the Senate, and it is now awaiting the governor's signature. House Bill 4147 allows felons to vote in elections. It is stuck in committee. Senate Bill 1511 would provide new trials for those convicted by non-unanimous juries. It passed out of the Senate committee. It's stuck in the Ways and Means Committee. It may still move. Senate Bill 1521 makes it harder for school boards to fire superintendents, and if they want to fire them without cause, they have to give them a one-year notice. It's passed the House. It's passed the Senate, and it will go to the governor's desk for her signature. And then House Bill 1546 allows some flexibility and allowing research, use, and harvesting of Elliott Forest, which was taken away from local communities. It passed two committees. It has not yet been sent for a floor vote. And the candidates are raking in the dough for the governor's race, but what's surprising is that the supposed frontrunner, Tina Kotek, really isn't doing that well in terms of fundraising. So far this year, the number one fundraiser is Betsy Johnson at almost $4 million. Nick Kristoff, who's disqualified from running, had racked up a million and a half. Bob Tiernan, who recently joined as a Republican for the governor's seat, has over $1,036,000. Christine Drazen in fourth place has uh, $1,015,000. And coming in at number five way back with having only raised just shy of $400,000, former House Speaker Tina Kotek. All right, there you have today's look at the news. And now it's time for a big giant dose of industrial real with Rick. All right, Rick, it's time to get real from wherever it is that you happen to be staying in the back of somebody's garage in Montana. (laughs) 
it's not quite that bad. We're in a nice Airbnb um, in Livingston, Montana, and <laughs> we're doing fine. But thanks, Bill. Hey, Dr. Bratlett and I were talking today. And don't you think we should ask? Um, I think what we're going to do is have Bill go out and buy a wardrobe of Hawaiian shirts. And he's going to be the Hawaiian. You can have him wear Hawaiian shirts and we'll just take it out of the get real with Rick Dancer budget and have Bill in Hawaiian shirts. If you like that idea, let me know. <laughs> that will be awesome. So as you guys know, Dr. Bratlett, one of our big sponsors, and he just took out some new radio ads on KPNW. And um, I'm going to play them for you all this week. I have to stick them with video because the program I'm on will not let you... Um, and, and put put it up with just the audio, but um, he has taken some real strong stands, and, and I know that bothers some people. But his business is booming, uh, which is not why he does it. He does it because that's what he believes in. And I think in Oregon, it's time to start doing uh, more of what we believe in. So here's his latest ad. I want you to see this. This is Dr. Michael Bradley from Cristiano. Very soon, our local school districts will be deciding if our children will continue to be forced to wear masks. Let's not let this continue. Making our children wear masks is child abuse. Depression, dropout rates, and suicide among school-aged kids has skyrocketed. And for what? There is no significant difference between schools that have had mask mandates and those that don't. It's all political theater. These mask mandates on our children must end now. And it's funny, I just took this video because I needed something, but that is what Dr. Bratlin's uh, crew does uh, to when they, when they were at the height of the pandemic. And, uh, you know, it is a doctor's office, so you wear your masks in. And obviously, when they're working on you, you don't wear a mask because it's really hard to do dental work when you have a mask on. Um, you love his commercials, Gold Hunter? Yeah, I do too. I think he's really gutsy and he's just hitting some. Well, you should hear some of the other ones. That's the mild one. Uh, but he has some other ones that he's got coming up here. Um, recently, um, a bunch of stuff has been going on in the Oregon legislature as Bill was talking. And um, I had a conversation last Friday with Kim Thatcher, uh, Senator Kim Thatcher from up in the Portland area, about this power struggle in Salem. And I'm going to run that story for you. And I want you to stick around because at the end of the show, we have a story from here in Livingston, Montana on a gentleman here in town who is building these really high quality, beautiful, tiny homes that you are going to love. And so stick around for that. But listen to this interview with Kim, and I think you'll get some um, other insights on what's going on in Oregon. And joining us now is Senator Kim Thatcher. Um, we didn't use her senator on there because she feels silly doing that sometimes when we're just having a conversation. I totally get that. It's like, you know, I, I, I think titles are interesting, but it's uh, it, it also can get in the way of a good conversation. But you, you are a senator. And what district are you from? Kim? I, yeah, I've been representing Senate District 13, lucky number 13, which uh, goes clear up the south part of Hillsboro down to Kaiser, where I actually live. And that'll change after the redistricting if, you know if I get reelected. <laughs> so I have you on here to talk about uh, uh, it's, it's Senate Joint Resolution 202 that was brought up and then basically got killed. And the whole idea was to make people like our governor more accountable um, for what she's doing with these prisoners and, 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 and letting prisoners go and, and try, or at least, you know, working that direction. So explain to people what this would have done and why it got killed. Huh. 
Well, what, what happened was we were trying to pull the bill. It, it got killed in committee because we have such deadlines. It's like if something doesn't get heard after a certain point in time, it's dead. If it doesn't get a work session after a certain time, it's dead. So we were trying to pull it to the floor. And so that's where it got killed really dead. So <laughs> I don't know, lack of determination. Um, but, but what it would do is just give, it would allow the voters, it would have to be a change to the Constitution to say, Yes, we would like our Senate to basically confirm or don't confirm that people who were going to get commuted, basically let out of prison early um, by the governor. So it gives some oversight to that. That's all it would do. And could, because right now we're one of the only states that doesn't have that kind of oversight. And that's just insane. One of very few. Uh, you know, all it would do is just add another layer of accountability. And that just got shot down. In fact, I couldn't even describe while I was on the floor of the Senate, when we go to vote explanations, I couldn't even explain why I voted the way I voted. I got shut down there. That was was really weird. That had this, never been interpreted that way before. Because this would have to have been an amendment to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. and, and it would require that this would be uh, looked over by members of the Senate. And, and what I think is interesting is right, right now, because of, there's, a, there's a lawsuit against the governor for the way she handled this. So I, I would think, Kim, um, that this would also protect future governors from making that sort of an error. If, if You know what I mean? It, 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 can you have too much um, uh, checks and balances? I, I, I would, I, maybe about two years ago, I would have said no. <laughs> Today, yeah. you know, I'm kind of leaning towards this guy who's, you know, doesn't doesn't like a lot of rules. I think we need some more rules. And I would, I, you and I weren't scheduled to talk about this. And if you don't want to, you don't need to say no. But I, I, I think we also need to look at this um, executive rule that the, the governor has used for two years to drag the COVID out. Um, that was an abuse. Too. How does any? What? How does that never go back to the legislature? You know what I mean? How did that ever? That, I, it, that just flabbergasts me. It is exactly the word I was going to say. <laughs> it is mind-boggling how there has been absolutely no desire from the majority of legislators in the Capitol to push back on the governor. Not one time. In fact, they shut down every effort that the Republicans made to hey let's rein this in a bit they they just would shut us down it's just it is mind-boggling are people afraid of her in the legislature i don't know i it could be that but i i really kind of chalk it up to complacency a comfortably entrenched bureaucracy they've had it for you know decades now so it's a comfortably entrenched bureaucracy just you know let it go on through and to go against that grain, though, you, there's a lot of little end games that go on. So you can lose some of your power and your little, you know, where you're going to sit, what you're going to do and who's going to listen to you if you go against where, and, you know, and that's even culturally. I think that was like that for a lot of us is no one said anything in the beginning because you didn't want to be that guy or woman. That's, or true. that's else. true. Yeah, th there's a lot of layers to it, but comfortably, you don't, you don't want to buck up against your own party. That's uncomfortable right there. So I think when the party in power, um, the different has all the branches of government within within a government, then it's it's more difficult to have one branch go up against the other one if it's the same party. It's just a little more difficult.
So talk to me about this $100 million that the Democrats in the legislature have now given to rural Republican districts. Um, uh, because we have so much money in the in the coffers, I wish I had all that money in my coffers, but I think most of us are paying it in inflation and gas prices and yeah, everything else, yeah. affordable housing that is not around. And uh, we don't have that. But so they have a hundred million dollars and they they're making a big deal. And this we're giving this to rural counties, which is great that these rural counties could use it. But does it seem kind of suspicious that this is happening in February, beginning of March? And we have a May primary coming up uh, real soon. Well, yeah, there's a lot wrapped up in that question. <laughs> um, yeah, a hundred million dollars. I, I um, that's it makes me me personally very suspicious. What are they up to? What are the alter, ulterior motives? What the heck is going on? Are they really giving us an olive branch, or do they see the writing on the wall as far as what's happening, or are they just trying to play it up for the primaries, talking about how? you know, grandiose and noble and, you know, gracious and <laughs> giving they are. I don't know. Because, because, because the problem in Oregon is we know, and it's probably anywhere, but let's just talk about Oregon, is voters have a very short memory. And and a lot of political people know that, um, that, you know, if you do enough good at the end, um, people might try to you hope that they're going to forget what happened the last two years. What, what, what do you predict is going to happen in May. What do you think is going to happen in Oregon? I think I would not be able to even begin to guess because think, d dynamics, attitudes, polling, all that seems to be changing a bit. And May is coming up really soon. And I don't think there's going to be that much of a memory loss between the end of, uh, or, you know, the beginning of March when we're out of session to the beginning of May when we have a primary. So I think that gap is is pretty close, but it'll be interesting to see who wins the different primaries and for governor, especially. Do you, is that just the craziest thing? Cause we have how many, I mean, you're one of the few Republicans not running. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seems to be a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know. I can't even tell you. It seems like every other day there's somebody jumping into the race. So I, I have, I quit keeping track. <laughs> what does Oregon need, Kim? Oh, we need more balance for sure. As far as our government is concerned, we need more balance. We need a government that will listen to the people and not just Portland. I'm talking about the people around the state and not just Portland. We have a very Portland-centric legislature and government in Salem. Portland you, has entered Salem, taken over. <laughs> you've seen this greater Idaho movement. Um, that probably makes you nervous. It makes people nervous. It doesn't affect your district, but it does. Well, I guess it does. You'd be part of Oregon, but I mean, that has to speak that, that should speak very loudly to this, to the I-5 corridor and Salem in specific saying, we have a group of people. And I think a lot of people miss this. They say, well, if they don't want to be part of Oregon, they should leave. That's not the point. And most of these people have been here for 200, you know, their families have been out in the Eastern Oregon for 200 years. They are so fed up with not being heard by the legislature and the and the, and the I-5 corridor running the thing. How does somebody like you who serves in a district in the I-5 corridor, how do you help them get their voice? I think it's important and I brought it up today with folks saying, hey, we've got a third of the counties in our state. 
wanting to not be a part of our state. Don't you think we should hear from them? Don't you think we should have a, a hearing? Maybe there'll be other ideas on how to deal with this. Maybe there's a better way to solve the urban rural divide. Let's hash it out. Let's have some informational hearings and let people talk and let's listen. I hope that happens because, you know, with all the cap and trade legislation, all these things that people think sound really good in the Valley, uh, it, it needs to be considered how that's going to affect people out in the, in the rural counties as well. Because Oregon is mostly a rural state. <laughs> I mean, people need to look at that. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of recalcitrance. It's like, well, that's not the way to do it. It needs to be done this way. Well, why don't we have a hearing? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the better ways. There's obviously some fed up folks out there and they need a voice. So let's let's give them one. Let's give them a megaphone give them a soapbox to stand on and talk to us. And then listen to them, right? Exactly, that's most important. So your big hope for Oregon, last thing I'll ask you and I'll let you go, you got a busy day, but last, your hope for Oregon. My hope for Oregon, I wanna go, I wanna see people succeed in this state and I get so many people writing to me saying, I, I can't do it anymore, I can't, I can't afford it, I can't find a job, I can't do, you know, there's just so many things that affect people's lives that even though they've lived here their whole life or their fifth generation, whatever, they're leaving the state. I don't want to see that. Our right. state is better when we have a mix of, of folks, including, um, you know, conservative, liberal, rural, urban. We need each other. And I am so tired of the division that keeps being sown. And we need to come together. I mean, I, I say that I'm tired of the division but it, it is there it's constantly out there to stir us up color you know one color against another one religion against the other um if you like police or support police it's i, I mean everybody it, there's you know i adele got canceled for saying she was proud to be a woman I mean, it's like what it's comes almost, next yeah it's almost sacrilege to refer to somebody as a woman it's like what you don't know her pronouns i mean you know or, or this person's pronouns you can't see her <laughs> but right. it, i mean it is very very difficult so it's like very difficult to to navigate properly as far as the politically correct are concerned and so when you're not politically correct you get automatically put into a bin called you know bad person right whichever ist you want to add to it so i'm just learning to be real comfortable there not worry about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, well, they're going to call you that anyway. So That's you might right. as well do what you think is best for the people. So, well, Senator, thanks for coming on and talking to us. Thanks for serving Oregon and um, good luck. You're in the fray of all of this stuff. And uh, hopefully once the new, you know, after May and then after November, hopefully we can get in and look at something like Resolution 202. We can look at some executive power issues, um, have a more balanced House Senate um, in Oregon and maybe get something done rather than have things shoved down our throat. I hope. Yes, get something done that's positive for people. You know what? China gets a lot done. That's not the way to do it. We have to, <laughs> we have to do the, the messy democratic process that we have is it's messy, but you know, it's really the only way to do it. It really is art. I love that you brought that up at the end. It really is. There's, there's countries that do shove make people do what they're doing. And that's what we're looking to become. Not that's what we're, that's what some are making us become. But I think we need to go back and arguing and disagreeing is part of being an Oregonian, mm -hmm. but we need to do it fairly. 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank Kim, you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. See you later. All right. Again, we taped that up on Friday and I really appreciate uh, Kim's uh, coming on the show and talking with us a little bit about that. That is a really big concern is what happened to the democratic process. Now we just have a bunch of bullies that come on and uh, try to shut you up and discredit you uh, rather than having a real conversation. And um, it's insane. And that's why Kathy and I left. We're, we were just done. Uh, we still fight for Oregon this way, but um, I can't live under that kind of tyranny. Um, I've watched this happen for 30 years in the news business and I can't live in that anymore. So we're not giving up on Oregon, but we're trying to, at 62, I wanna find uh, some people that are like-minded um, and that's what we're looking for here in Montana. And I found somebody. So um, I was at the gym and I'll tell you, this has been really interesting because being Rick Dancer back in Oregon and then being Rick Dancer here, um, we're walking around Costco and I looked at Kathy. I said, you know, it's kind of lonely. I don't know anybody and you don't know anybody. We're used to people coming up and talking to us at the stores and stuff. And so it's kind of a whole new thing, but it's just part of this journey we're on. And, um, but we have met people and we really have met some nice people here in Montana, especially here in the Livingston area. The other day I'm at the gym and spot a guy and uh, went up to, you know, just start a conversation. You just have to find a way. You have to push yourself. And sometimes it's a little awkward, but you're walking up to people and just making conversation. I said, hey, what, that's a hell of a beard you got there. And he and Cody, his name's Cody Wood. And Cody and I start talking and he says, I build tiny houses. I said, what? He goes, no, really upscale, nice, tiny houses. I said, why do you do that? And he says, because if I don't build some kind of housing, my kids will never be able to live here because the cost of housing in Montana is, is like Oregon. is just through the roof. So this guy's doing his own thing, building these tiny houses for people all over the world. Now, they're not cheap. These are nice houses. Um, but I'll let you tell, uh, like Cody, I'll let you tell the rest of the story. But here is uh, Cody Wood in Livingston, Montana, with his own company building tiny houses. I am one of the owners of Woodland Ridge Tiny Home Crafters, and we build tiny homes here in Livingston. Right now, we're the only builder of tiny homes on wheels uh, in the state of Montana, uh, and we serve the whole Northwest. Yeah, so I've been here in Livingston for about 15 years now. About a year and a half, two, actually it's about two years ago now, uh, myself and, and Rick Gilliland were, were talking about some business opportunities and things that we might want to do. Yeah, this isn't your... This isn't your average. No, no, that's what we, uh, we actually strive to be a, a luxury, high-end tiny home product, so. How much do these go for, about? Um, you know, I think this one is right around 90, is what this one was. Uh, we've got, I just quoted one, the gal wants one that's really big, and uh, I think I quoted her at 183. But it's it's a huge one. It's about double the size. Well, if you really want to know, we were out bear hunting, <laughs> and we started talking about uh, how cool it would be to build uh, some tiny homes, and we started looking into it, did some research, um, thought there was a, a good market for it here, and um, we took off with it. A lot of people consider them just a glorified RV. Um, and they don't realize that we have to build to the same standards that a site-built home is built to. We follow the same codes, have the same inspections, um, and so they don't, I don't think they really have a good understanding of how well-built they are. Right now, we could do, uh, we could do probably 12-ish a year, uh, give or take, uh, but we are expanding. We just hired two new employees. Uh, we're talking about expanding our shop. Right now, we've just got a 40 by 40 shop. 
and we're talking about extending it another 60 to 100 feet. Uh, my middle daughter, uh, who is, she's a sophomore this year, and she's gonna graduate high school here in a couple years, and the reality is, she's not gonna be able to continue to live in this community because of, of the expense of housing, whether it be rent, mortgage, whatever it may be, she's just simply not gonna be able to, to afford uh, to live as an 18, 19 year old uh, kid. So she's gonna have to leave this community. And that breaks my heart that my kids are gonna have to, to leave the community that I love so much because they can't afford to live here. And we totally recognize that tiny homes are not for everybody, but this is a solution for everyone because every person that lives in a tiny home frees up a standard home for someone else to live in. You're working with some people to develop a community of these kind of well, actually, there are, there's a huge demand uh, for a community of tiny homes, and we are working with a couple different developers right now to, to bring that to fruition. Uh, we hope that within the next year or so that we'll be able to have a really nice community of these. Yeah, so we're partnering right now with Villicus Farms uh, out of Haver, Montana, and they, they have an amazing organic farming uh, farm that they do there. It's like 13,000 acres and are one of the nation's leaders in organic farming. And they, Anna, one of the owners, contacted us almost a year ago now about doing a partnership with them. And so they sent down uh, Ben and Landon uh, about a month ago now. And we've been working together in a collaborative uh, effort to build a couple homes for their, their workforce. Okay, sure. My name is Landon George. I work at Villicus Farms in Haver, Montana. Yeah, so way up north in Haver, where uh, the farm is located, where we live and work, uh, there's no housing. So part of this whole project is we need some affordable housing for uh, you know everybody that's up there working in the summers. Uh, my name is Benjamin Clark. Last winter, I spent like two months just building my own house inside uh, our old shop building up there as sort of a test run to see what it would uh, if it would work as employee housing. It worked out so well that the farm said, well, if it works for you, let's keep this ball rolling. And that's when we reached out to Rick and Cody to see if they would help us. So Ben and I work for Villicus Farms and we're here, we've been here the whole month, putting these two together. And that one's gonna be an office for the farm staff. And then this one's gonna be uh, housing for uh, farmers. So you're building your own home and you're off season. Mm -hmm. So you have a place, you and your girlfriend will have a place to live. You got it, yeah. I'm salaried up at the farm, so this is just like a month of work for me. While it's so slow up there, there's not a ton going on, we can come down here and bust out these two houses. The way we heat our homes primarily is radiant floor heating. We custom make most of our, our things because we're tiny and it's not really designed. So like the barn doors, we're standing in this doorway here. We custom make our barn doors. We do everything in-house from start to finish. So we take it from a foundation all the way to the finished product. We do all of the work. We're able to make a difference through this business. I literally get calls every single day of the week about people that want one of these tiny homes. This is absolutely a solution to the housing crisis that we currently find ourselves in. What do you love about Montana? Oh, what is there not to love about Montana? Uh, if I never have to leave the state again, I will be good with that. I love the mountains. I love the snow. I love being able to, to chase elk in the rut in the middle of September with my bow. I love being able to, to raise my kids uh, in a place that I don't fear uh, for them at any level. Mountains. I love the fact that there's only a couple million people in the state. Um, yeah, like the outdoors, fishing and hunting. And you're from Oregon. And I'm from Oregon. 
What brings Oregonians to Montana? Politics. <laughs> so that's Woodland Ridge. And in fact, I'll put that up there again for you. So you can see that's how you get a hold of them. Um, I'm going to run it real quick, like to the very end there. And, uh, but Rick said it all. Politics. <laughs> that's the number right there and their uh, email address and great people doing some great things. And no, that's not a solution for uh, some people. It's going to be a little higher price than, than some want to pay, but they're thinking. And like, uh, like Cody said, uh, that is freeing up housing. And here, um, that's why we're still living in Airbnb. Housing is very expensive and it's very hard to find because uh, there are fewer houses than there are in Oregon in a, in a, in a, in a, in a metropolitan area. So anyway, um, tomorrow we're going to be later this week, we're going to be talking to some folks uh, with this uh, trucking convoy that's going back to Washington, D.C. from Oregon. There's a country music singer from Estacada, uh, Jessie Lay, and she's going to be talking with us. I'm going to do an interview with her tomorrow, but it'll be on Wednesday. And also uh, one of the organizers behind it, uh, Kip, is going to be with us as well, kind of explaining what that is. In fact, Jessie's going to be calling us again. We'll be coming on again later to tell us what she saw and what that was about, that kind of thing for her. Um, tomorrow's our Elements of a Healthy Lifestyle, and I'm going to be interviewing a, a young woman who um, really changed her life and made a difference in that. And Kim will be joining us with some tips on how to stay healthier. Bill London will be here with all your day's news. And uh, what else do we have coming up this week? Um, and next week, Dr. Michael Bratlin is going to be joining us, and uh, that should be entertaining. Uh, he's going to tell us why he's doing the things that he does and why he gets involved in politics despite everything. You know, that's the thing you, you learn. Um, and I think um, I'm learning um, even more being here in Montana is <clears throat> it's really standing up for what you believe in, whether people like it or not. Um, you know, and really um, not being in, 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 in people's faces, but also not worrying when they say you're trying to incite this, you're trying to do this, you're trying to instigate that, um, because that's one of the things they use when you start hitting a nerve and you start bringing up topics that people don't like, uh, that the collective narrative is opposed to. Um, but when did we ever live in a state that we live in like right now where you can't even talk about certain things? because people will discount you, will cancel you, will throw you away. Um, that's not Oregon. Um, oh, do you know Jesse Lee? That's funny. Yeah, she is awesome, isn't she, Jason? She's going to be joining us. I, I can't decide whether I'm going to have time for her tomorrow. It'll probably end up on Wednesday, but we'll, I'm interviewing her tomorrow at noon, um, your time. So anyway, yeah, and she's uh, she just said, God told me I'm supposed to go, so she's going. So, well, there you go. I you can't argue with God. Thanks for being with us tonight. Um, again, if you're looking for tiny houses, um, Woodland, they, they service the whole Pacific Northwest. So get a hold of them and find out more. Uh, you won't be buying a piece of crap. You're buying a nice house. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey, share this on your page so other people can see it. We really appreciate when you do that. All right. Oh, and one other thing. Um, we're getting calls like crazy. But if you're someone who would like to you know, get a little notoriety and sponsor what we do. Um, this last month in January, uh, the previous month, we reached 276,655 accounts. Um, those are our numbers right there on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We're also on you. Um, we're also on LinkedIn, uh, but we're getting some real good numbers. And if you are needing some marketing and advertising, uh, we just may be the great thing for you. And, um, 
all of our customers, all of our clients um, support what we do, which is give people a voice. We don't care if you agree with other people or not, but we do believe you have a voice. And so we try to give that to people. And that's where we get most of our sponsorships. So if you're in the market for uh, some marketing, let us know. All right. Again, our show tonight was brought to you by Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. Party One Heating and Air Conditioning, where if you're, they'll, they'll put the warmth in your home in the winter and they'll cool you down in the summer. Um, and Transworld Business Advisors, Lonnie Woodruff, the dream maker, the guy who can help you sell your business, or if you're tired of the rat race, he can help you find a way out. Um, I'm Rick Dancer. Have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow right here, 5 o'clock Oregon time, 6 my time.